Welcome to the Church Unlimited Sorry Podcast, where faith, community, and inspiration come together. We're delighted to have you with us today as we embark on this journey and explore timeless messages of love, hope, and faith. Don't forget to follow us and share with friends and family so you never miss an episode. Let's dive into this week's message. This morning, I want to share with you, on, continue sharing with you on the church, but I want to ask you, who are we? Who are we? And in fact, we could probably turn that thing around a little bit and say, what is it that you would look for in a church? And maybe that's even the wrong question, because what we're doing then is we're trying to impose our humanity into something that God is doing. And the Bible tells us that God is the one who built his church. And so what we want to do then is we want to discover what that church looks like that God is building, that we could then become a part of what God is doing. It's often what we'll do is we'll do something and we'll ask God to come and bless it. And this morning what we want to do is we want to look at the church. We may not be there yet, but we're in a, in a process of becoming what God wants us to be. And so what we need, even through the worship and that this morning, open up our hearts just to receive what the Lord is saying. And if I would say to you this morning, I want a church. I want to belong to a church. I want to belong to a church that focuses on Jesus Christ that loves him with a passion, that there's an experiential Christianity in it. Not some religion, not just people coming to church because they get their dollop of religion. I want to be a church where the very life of God is being manifest. I want to be part of a church where the eldership, the leaders, the pastors of the church are called by God. They're not doing a job. They have the calling upon their lives. They've surrendered so much to respond to that call. I want to be a, a church that is led by, by men like that. Men who love the Word of God. Men who are filled with the Spirit of God. Men of faith and of hope. Servant leaders. Not arrogant. Not standing here in a three-piece suit speaking down to people. I want to be led by men that have a heart for God. I want to be a part of a church like this where people care for me, where they're interested in me, that they will learn my name. That when I make mistakes, there is grace and forgiveness. That they will pray for me. That they will love me. That they will fellowship with me. I want to be a church where I belong. I want to be part of a church where I have value. I bring value and I'm given value and I'm given some recognition. I think that's the kind of church that God is building. And so... With this, there's that scripture in 1 Timothy 3.14. So I'm writing these instructions so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. This is not man's doing. This is God's doing. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the church I want to belong to. I don't want to belong to a church where there's division and there's bitterness and, and, and all sorts of nonsense that's going on. I want to be a church where the Spirit of God is working deep in the hearts of men and women. I want to be a church that is known as the born-again church, where people from the outside in this broken world can come to a place where they're welcomed. We want to see people come through those doors. We have wide open doors that people will come in here. They're broken. They're destitute. The prostitutes, might I say, the drug addict, everybody is welcome to come through these doors. A place where the Lord Jesus would minister life to them. 
And they would, they would come to the place where you and I are at the moment, rejoicing. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. An experiential Christianity. Something that we can live. There's too much religion out there. The, war, the world is full of religion. And hence all the wars that are going on. I want to be a church where I sense the presence of God. I want to be a church where I am accepted and known for who I am, weaknesses and all, but growing, being equipped, being led. I want to be a church that God is building. And so this morning, as I share some of these things, a lot of it is dry information. And I'm trusting you'll catch the heart of what I want to say this morning. You see, if we look at what takes place in the world today, everything that man puts his hand to is broken. For some reason or another, this humanity that is in us, this fallen nature, begins to break things. You look at the world, it is broken. A broken world out there. And you look at how governments try to fix things and they just make it worse. Things seem to get a bit darker. Like phase six, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but when God does something, He restores, He heals, He redeems. That's what I want to be a part of. And so the scripture here tells us that there's some sort of understanding between us. How do we conduct ourselves in the house of God? The next slide that we have, I don't know if you, you can recognize this or know this story. No, no, go back one. Oh, is that what you got? <laughs> All right, just go to the very last one, the very last slide. Sorry, I did, did, didn't update on Monday, that one. We'll go back, back to the other one just now. Do you know what the story is here? This is when David and the Israelites are taking the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, if it was you and I, we would do exactly the same thing. This Ark has been in heathen hands. And David, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, it's a beautiful story if you would read it in your own time. But in 1 Chronicles 13, David consults with the leaders. And he says to them, Marius, what do you think? Is it a good thing for us to take the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? Corbus, Bernie, is it a good thing for us to take? Ah, we all agree. The people, do you agree? We need to take the Ark of the Covenant back. Of course. It's the presence of God. It's symbolic of the presence of God. We take that back to Jerusalem. So what they do is they put this, this, uh, the Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart, and off they go. And David is jabulining in front of that thing. And it's a big party time. We're taking the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And on the way, the oxen stumble and the Ark of the Covenant begins to fall off. And this poor dude on the right-hand side here with the lightning strike is Uzzah. Now, if it was you or if it was me, we would do exactly the same thing. If that Ark is falling, I would have put my hand out. But what happens to Uzzah? He gets struck dead. You read about it in 1 Chronicles 13. And David is confused. In fact, he's a little angry. And he says, God, I'm just doing what you want me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling your will. It is the will of God that that ark goes back to the temple in Jerusalem. No doubt about it. No questions. And so we see, if we read through chapter 13 of 1 Chronicles, we find that David had consulted widely on this thing. And now he's confused. And then we go, we go across to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. And David then comes back to them and he says, Guys, we were doing the will of God, but we weren't doing it God's way. 
the way of God was the ark needed to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. The pole was put through the rings on the ark, and that was to be carried by the Levites. So the, the moral of that story is that we can do the will of God, but we need to have an understanding of the ways of God. And God has certain ways in his church. He's the one who's built it. When he did the tabernacle, he gave clear instructions as to how the tabernacle should be built. When, the, when, when Noah's ark was built, there were clear instructions as how, to, how it was to, to be built. And that is true of the church. And that's what we're going to look at very briefly this morning. Now, this presentation, if we can go back right to the very first slide again. But this presentation, what I'll do is I'll put on the WhatsApp group, because there's a lot of detail which we're not going to look at today. But it's some of the foundational things. I want to be a part of the church that God is building. I don't want to put my dirty hands on it because I know I will mess it up. I want to be a part of it and I want to live within it. I want to live within the boundaries that God calls us to. But I want to do God's will God's way. And this is a great lesson for us. Sometimes we can be so busy doing our own thing that we actually miss the heart of God in it. And so we ask the question, who are we? And if we're not that, that's what we're becoming. I want to be a part of this church. I want to be a church where it is led wisely by servant leadership. Those who love Jesus, those who are passionate for the things of God, men of the word, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you. I want to, I want to, I want to be accepted by you. I'm not perfect by any means. And I probably, as Rolani said earlier on, probably offend you every now and again. Well, if you wouldn't mind get, hurrying up and getting over that so we can serve God together. <laughs> what we need to do is we need to discover who we are and what God wants us to be. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 20 very briefly. We're going to look at two different aspects of the life of church. This first one in Acts chapter 20 is an interesting story. That is with Paul. This is the last time he actually sees the Ephesian elders and he calls them all together. And they're on this beach, and he calls the elders together. Now, I no, don't want to complicate the things here. We'll, we'll deal with it over time. But an elder is a pastor, is a bishop, is an overseer, is a shepherd. One and the same person. It's just different functions that they, they do. We're not going to get complicated with that. But here he calls the elders of the church in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders. So he's calling the pastors together. He wants to share things with them. Before he goes, it's the last time he's going to see them. He called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this here speaks to me of leadership. Here is Paul. You know what Paul had sacrificed. You know what Paul had been through. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was a man that served Jesus and wanted to just follow him. That's the leadership I want to serve under and I want to serve with. Men who, who love Jesus with all of their heart and know that there's a calling upon their lives. It's not a job that they do. I remember when we were called into ministry back in 1990, I didn't even know what the salary was going to be when I went into ministry. 
I just knew that there was a calling on my life and I had to serve God. And here we see Paul talking about this passion in his heart, the price that he paid. Now that's the leadership I want to serve with. Those are the elders I want to to serve under and I want them to lead me and to guide me. We move on in Acts 24 and verse 22, uh, verse 24 now. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now there's the call of leadership. There's these, these the men who just want to serve God. <laughs> men who love Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the Word, who understand the Word, who live by the Word, who will preach the whole counsel of God, who are not afraid to confront issues that need to be confronted. Years ago, we had to ask somebody to leave our church when we were living in, in Rhodesia. It was the hardest thing in my life. I cried when I did it because we loved them. But we, we, we had to bring some form of discipline into their lives for their benefit. The end of that story was that they came back to the Lord weeping, realized they'd made a fatal mistake. And they came back and, uh, and t- together we had communion in, fr- in front of the church. But there was an order. There was no compromise. We brought the whole counsel of God We brought the wisdom of God into a situation. We provided safe parameters for the church. We did not just allow things to take place in the church that would would, would offend God. People who will preach the whole council, men who love this word with a passion, that's what we're looking for. That's who we're becoming. That's what we're looking for. From verse 27, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole council of God, Pay careful attention to yourselves. Now, Paul is now talking to these, these pastors, these elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So now what he's doing is he's saying, you've got this flock of people to shepherd and to watch over. God is going to hold you accountable. One day, Marius and Kubus and, and these guys on eldership will stand before God and he will say, what have you done with my people? How did you serve them? How did you love them? How did you care for them? Did you share with them all of my counsel? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You see, there's that word overseer. That's a governmental word. The the elders are the governance over the church. To care for the church of God. There's the shepherd. The ones who care, the ones who love, the servant leadership, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. And we've seen that in so many churches, haven't we? We've seen so much division, so much bitterness, so much hatred, and so much sin in the life of the church. And Paul is warning here, he's saying, you shepherds, watch over this flock, guide them, provide the parameters for safety for them. Friends, when you and I live out these things, the way that God wants us, the blessing of God comes. Kubis mentioned it earlier on. When there is unity and harmony and we're doing the will of God, God's way, God commands His blessing. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease... Uh, night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
And so here we see Paul is recognizing that over the, over the flock, over the church, are these elders, are these pastors, and they're the ones that have the governance. They're the ones that need to just make sure that all is well within the body of Christ. Men who will preach the word without compromise, the whole counsel of God, shepherd leaders, not arrogant, but loving, caring. That's the church I want to be a part of. If we move on and we look at the scriptures, we find that in scripture there are only two offices. There are two, only two, um, these two leadership offices in the body of Christ. If you go, there are many scriptures, and we're not going to go through them. And as I say, I'll post this on the, on the WhatsApp group. But if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about these two offices. And the first one is the elder, the pastor, the bishop, the overseer, the shepherd, whatever you want to call him. That's the one office. The other one are deacons. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 7, it speaks about the, the, the pastor. And it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he deserves a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And it goes on and on and on. And all of these are character issues. But one. In the, in the list that, as you read through that whole thing to verse 7, the one there is they must be able to teach as well. But everything else speaks about morality. It speaks about men above reproach, honest, integrous, caring, loving, keeping their own households well. And then it goes on and speaks about the second office, which is the one of deacons. So there's only two recognized. Now, you, you, we'll look at it just now as well. We look at the model of the church. But in many churches, they have many different positions in the church. And that can bring confusion. My request to you is that judge what I say by the word of God. If you see anything different in the word, bring it to me. And then I will, I'll probably, if it's in the word of God, I'll agree with you. But what we see in terms of God, the way God has devised his church, the way that he's made his church, there's this, uh, these two officers, overseers, the elders, the pastors, and the deacons. And again, we go through the deacons list. They must be uh, dignified, not double-tongued. And it goes through the whole list there again. And again, it speaks of moral issues, ethical. Men who, who are above reproach. Who, who looking, people looking at them can't say, how can he be a leader in the church? And it covers those two offices. So the point I'm just making here is that in God's design, as we look at the church... There are two offices, which is your elder, which is slash pastor, slash shepherd, slash overseer. All of those are functions within what a pastor does, pastors and deacons. And as we, as we transition the church, as we go into this, what we want to do is we want to begin to recognize this and properly ordain them into the life of the church. We want to build the church God's way. We, and, and, and we know His will. It's, his, it's the body of Christ. As I said right in the beginning, to be part of a church where experientially you experience the favor of God, the love of God, the, the, the manifest presence of God, where lives are being radically changed, where people are being healed, where lives are being restored and redeemed. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a church where I'm safe with you, that you won't betray me. If there's an issue wrong in my life, come and speak to me and help me to deal with it. A place of wholeness, a place of beauty, a place of laughter. That is what I want to belong to. And that is what God is wanting to build. 
If we, I think we're just going to skip over the next slide, which is overseers, just going through all of that. Okay, let's go to the next one. Yeah, skip that one, go to the next one. There we go. Now, as I say, there's a lot of detail in here. What I've done here, and as I say, you can read this in your own time, is again, it just looks at this, this personality of an elder. And we look there at some of the responsibilities they have, the calling of God on their lives, and all of those things. I don't want to run through it now. It's just, uh, it's information. What I want you to do today, just to pick up the heart of what God is wanting to do. I want you to pick up the heart of what God is wanting us to become. I want us to pick up the heart where we say, Lord, I want to do your will, your way. I don't want to do this my own way, Lord. I want to do it the way that you want us to do it. And so we'll move on to the next one. And the next one is just about deacons now. The deacons deacons, uh, work together with the elders. The elders delegate authority to them to do certain things. They're the heart of the church, really. And then we move on to the next one. And now what we do is we come to the second part of what I'm sharing with you this morning, which are different church models. Now, all of us in this room will have come from different church backgrounds. And what I want to do is just share with you some of the models that are out there. The point that I want to make is, you know, when you share something that you see and you know and is biblical, if it contradicts something else, it doesn't mean you're criticizing. You're not putting down. And there are many different churches that do things differently. I want to tell you from this pulpit, we will always honor all of the other churches that proclaim the name of Jesus. They may do it differently. They will do water baptisms differently. They may do their leadership differently or whatever. That is their business. We're accountable to God for the lives that we live. And so what we want to do is just share with you this morning some of the models that you will recognize. And here's the first one which is the Lord of all model. It's the one, if you look at the tri- there's a triangle, which should be the focus. And in this particular model, the triangle is with the point at the top. And at the top, you've got the, the lead guy. The, you've got the, I don't know what you call him, lead elder, pastor, head pastor, bishop, whatever. He's the, he's the, he's the man, you know. He's the leader. And so what he says, you do. It seems to be the, the approach often. And so it's a very controlling model. Um, it's a domi- the control is a, often a dominating feature in that. It's very hierarchical too. What you do is you get the pastor, you get the senior pastor, then you get other pastors, and then you'll probably get, uh, they might even have other different construction there like elders, and then you'll have committees, and also there's a whole structural thing in there where there's a hierarchy in it. And I think if you look at Scripture, you don't see any hierarchy You see men and women who have different functions in the body of Christ, who love Jesus and serve together. And we recognize the functions, but there's no hierarchy. There is an authority uh, structure, but it's not hierarchical. And so the the danger with this thing is it can create either robots or rebels. In other words, Corvus, I want you to do this. Go and do this. And Corvus feels he shouldn't, really doesn't want to do it. So either there's a rebellion that now forms in his heart, or he just becomes a yes man and he begins, he begins to do it. And so, again, we don't see this in Scripture. We don't see this authoritarian model where some, all of this authority is borne down and you've got these little guys at the bottom just beginning to, you know, when he says jump, you say how high. And the Scripture in 1 Peter 5 verse 3 says, Leadership is not domineering, never over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The second model we, we see in churches, 
is this one where if we, uh, we see the triangle now, that, there's the pastor below there. And what happens there is you've got the pastor who's actually employed by the church. Remember I said earlier, we believe that an elder or a pastor is called by God. And here we, we, we see, uh, we, I mean, you, looked, you look at examples of where, where guys put out their CV to, to try and get into a church. And so it becomes a job. Uh, we don't see that in Scripture. Our understanding of Scripture is different. We, we see in elders, these, these men here called by God. They've given up a, a lot uh, to serve God. And it's, so it's a calling. And here we find that you've got all of these committees and boards and all sorts of things over him. So now he wants to go and paint the gutters. And what he's got to do is he's got to send it to the finance committee to get a bit of money to go and paint the gutter. And that's probably going to take six months because they don't know whether they should paint it blue or green. And so we find this kind of model becomes the, the, the leadership of the church, becomes the servant of all. And so you are beholden to the different committees that are in there. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, talks about the leaders of the church. They need to preach the word. They reprove. They rebuke. Uh, they teach. And so there's an authority that seems to be missing from this model. But the scripture says that's what a leader should have. And so we don't, we don't follow that model. We move on. And then we get this model, which is the phantom church. And you will recognize this church too. I think at one stage or another, many of us have wanted to become a part of that. And that often is where people have been hurt by the church. You've been offended by the church for one reason or another. And you just think, well, I want nothing to do with church. All I want to do is get into a holy huddle with another group of people. And we don't want any kind of leadership in this thing. Nobody must tell me what to do. I just want to go and be a blessing and serve God there. And so we find that there's no kind of leadership in this church. It's a phantom model. Uh, there's no obvious seat of power. There's, uh, everybody kind of has some equal authority. The problem with these churches, and we've, we've seen it time and time again, is they often move into heresy. They'll pick up whatever fad is going at the moment or whatever it is, and therefore this thing begins to infiltrate the group. And because there's no called leadership in there that are accountable to God, that this thing begins to manifest within this group. And in Acts 14, verse 23, it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. And so we see uh, God's, the way that God does it, His design, is that every church needs to have elders or pastors leading that particular church. Um, elders in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then we move on to this model, which is the model we think is the biblical model. And that you see is the triangle on its side. And that is the church's led. It is overseen by an eldership team. Uh, we, we believe in, 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 in teamwork. If you look at the scriptures, more often than not, it will talk about churches led by elders, plural. And so we think the, there's a tremendous safety in numbers in terms of the leadership in the church, of elders leading the church. They're the ones who... Uh, who, who lead, lead, they give direction, they give vision. We say basically elders, uh, they disciple, and also discipline is in that. They discipline, direction, give direction. Uh, you'll see on your, on your seats there, I've put down, what do we believe? Who are we? You, if you're going to become part of something, then surely you, you and we must have the same kind of value system. So we put that out there. Discipline, direction, doctrine. Uh, what, do we be, what do we believe? Doctrine, and then obviously they control 
and watch over the finances of the church as well. So this church is, is a, a, a church with a triangle on, on its side. Uh, we are servants, so the leadership of this church, there's an equality between us. There's no hierarchy. You want to know who the most important person in this church is? I want to tell you, as soon as we leave here, whoever's going to pour me coffee out there is the most important person. <laughs> no hierarchy. It's just it's different calling, different giftings that we have. Now, that's the model we see in Scripture. And uh, as I say, we'll, I'll post this on the group. You can study it and look it through and look at the Scriptures yourself. But this is the church that we want to become a part of. Let's go back to the last one. And we go back to Uzzah. Next one. Okay. So here we said right at the beginning, and I hope you've picked up this morning, I'm trying to convey heart. I'm trying to convey the intent of God. I'm trying to convey not just factual things, which are important, because structure, if the structure is not right, I've been serving God now in full-time ministry since 1990. And I've seen more churches broken, more churches hurt, more people disillusioned through the structure not being correct, where the weakness in the structure allows people to bring dissent and differences and all of those things. I've seen more breakage in the church because the structure is not right. And that's why it's imperative for us to do God's will, God's way. And so I trust this morning I've been able to face something of the church. That's why I started off this morning. I want to be a part of a church where I know that I'm safe. I know I'll be part of a church where we, you will not tolerate nonsense from me, that you will help me to grow in Christ. I want to be led by men that hear from God, men who care for me, who love me. They're servant leaders, not arrogant leaders, not authoritative leaders. But they will bring discipline in my life if I need it. I'm scared to say that to Corbis. He'll probably do it. Him and I just joke a lot. You know, they say, we, we, as I, you know, many of you know that we, I, I'm an extradition or a Zimbabwean. And they say there you've, you've got a number, you know, you've got the five love languages. Well, in the Zimbabwean males have six and seven. The, the, the sixth one is words of abuse. <laughs> and the other one is inf inflicting pain. So you can tell, Kubis loves me a great deal because of the amount of abuse that I get from him. But that's the, part of, that's the church I want to be part of, where there's reality. What you see is what you get. No airs and graces, no super spirituality, but depth, experiential Christianity, where God is present, where the, where the blessing of God is upon us. Why? It's because we've done it His way. So who are we? Or who are we becoming? We want to be a loving, caring, disciplined people, serving Christ His way, submitted to his word, and filled with faith and his Holy Spirit, living in a broken world. We're called to enforce the victory of Calvary. We want to be a people that will enforce the victory of Calvary in the community in which we live. We want people to hear about this church, not because we want to increase in numbers, because they know that this is a place where they will be accepted, that they will be forgiven, that they will grow, that they will be healed, that they will be restored. Living together as his church, in harmony and in unity. Seeking to disciple the nations. We want to be bigger than ourselves. 
Over time, we're going to share with you the opportunities we have of being a blessing in Vitaville, Boerven, or a new church plant that is just starting in Malilan. Can you imagine if we took a few people from here just to go and love upon them, to go and serve them tea, to go and wash, wash their dishes after a meeting, or whatever it is? That's the kind of church we want to be, not just localized, not just naval gazers, but men and women who love Jesus and want to share that out there. People of unity, seeking to disciple the nations, teaching His way and of His redemption. This is who we are. This is what I want to belong to. So the question is, is this your church? Now the one thing that has been a problem for us is that in coming here, we have seen the address list. Now an address list to a pastor is one of the most important aspects of the church. Because it tells them who they are responsible for. Now the address list here in this church is way out of date. And so the eldership don't know who they are responsible over. They don't know who they need to be continually praying for. They don't know who, who, who to help and, or who, who they can recognize as being part of this church. And so you'll see on, on your uh, chairs there, there's a, another little form there, which is a, a form... If you consider this is your church and you want to belong to what God is doing here, then we're asking you to fill it out and to give it to either Zani or one of these people here in the front row. If you wouldn't find filling it so that we know that we can contact you, that, that you're saying we want to be a part of what God is doing here. We want to update that list. But it is so out of date. We've got people there who've, who left long ago. And uh, they get offended when we say, you know, hi, you know, we want to love you. No, we don't want to love you. We're living in Pakistan or somewhere. <laughs> we, just wanna, we need to update it. But we do need to know who we are responsible for. And that's all that address list is. If you, if you don't, you're more than welcome to be a part of this church and to fellowship here. But if you're saying, I want to belong here, I want, I want the leadership of this church to be able to recognize me and for me to recognize them and for us to work together, then we're asking you to fill out that form and to give it to either Zani or one of these folk here. So it's been a difficult message for me to preach because I think it's a dry message. It's, a, it's, an informa it's, it's, it's the information. I, I, I trust you've heard the heart of God today, that he's crying out to us, please build my way. Don't, don't carry my, my, my ark on your ox cart. Do it my way. Father, this morning, we want to thank you that you're the one that's building your church. And we pray for ourselves, Lord, that we may be led and clearly guided by you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the way that you ministered to us so early on, where you ask us to open up our hearts and our lives. And we do that as a process even during this week, Lord God. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and that this church, Father, would be strengthened, would be established, and that we would serve the purposes of God in our generation, not only here in Sabi, but, Father, in the regions beyond. So, Lord, I bless these people today. I commit them to you. I know that there will be those here, Lord, that are struggling through whatever it may be, finance, emotions, loss, whatever. Lord, we ask that you would come and minister deep into their hearts and lives. For those that do not know you, Lord, I pray that even today they will come and speak to me. And that I might lead them to you and introduce them to you. That, Lord, they may see their lives radically changed as well. So we commit and commend ourselves into your hands as we go into this week. 
Thanking you for the opportunities that you would create for us to share your love in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode. Your support means the world to us. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider sharing it with your friends and family.